I'm glad I listened to such a sophisticatedly smart podcast. I know I do. Welcome back to Dice and Salt. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. So we're here talking about episode 146, Hacking the Mainframe. Uh, and yeah. maybe you remember from last episode, but we ended on a cliffhanger door. Is it? A is, door that just needs to be opened. A door that once opened will advance the story. Is it Chekhov's door? The Chekhov door. <laughs> just got to do it. Yeah, but we're going to avoid doing that for as long as possible, apparently, according to Joe. <laughs> yeah, right. Because first we have to apply inspired incompetence directly to our ears. I don't, I don't want to. <laughs> and then we're going to remember that we have a door to get to, but then we're going to talk about how we advanced in level oh, and yeah. what our new benefits are. Yep. I, uh... And Valbar <laughs> didn't have anything. Well, it's not that he didn't he have just... anything. He was, he was designed at level 15. So it's like, I didn't get well, anything right. So it new. wasn't a new level for him. Right. It wasn't new for him. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what's different from 14 to 15. So let's, let's move on. <laughs> I don't remember who goes next, but I know uh, Uhtred gets some more stuff. He gets like his Arcana points, and he gets like two new Arcana features. The one that I kind yeah, of was interested I'm not in. sure. I'm not sure what they call him, but yeah, he gets uh, powers. He got two more Arcana powers. Yeah, the one I liked was the the Reflect one, which could be interesting, but also like, well, no, I guess because he's gonna know the spell because he can he can auto spellcraft anything up through level nine. So it'll work for him. Like, but I was just thinking, like, if you didn't know the level of spell, you just kind of had to guess because he has to spend points equal to the spell level. But if you don't spend enough, then you just kind of waste it. Mm -hmm. But it it yep. it takes another immediate action, which apparently is like most of his character is immediate actions. The other thing I like uh, is is I don't know if we should talk about Tholias or our genus because I have things for our genus that I'd like to talk about. So why don't we do Tholias first? All right. So, Thalias <laughs> got this thing where he can now kind of mix and match the spirits he is to an extent, like a small, like once per day extent, I think. So, yeah, I forget how long it lasts, but I mean, I think you can do it several times a day. It's a medium thing for the whatever it is. His, his, I want to say undead medium, but he's, it's, it's not an undead medium. It's, it's a, a spirit medium. Spirit medium or the channeled spirit. His archetypey thing, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure we will never hear from this again, <laughs> knowing Joe. <laughs> he will continue to... Yeah, I, I hope not. I mean, I hope I mean, not, but it's like... The, it's the opportunity to be the healer and the champion all at once. And I'm sure like he'll have to be reminded that he can do it. They'll be like, hey, Joe, can you heal us? And be like, no, I'm the champion. It's like, mm, yeah, but you could. <laughs> He's like, yeah, oh, remember yeah. you have so many minutes per day. You can do this. Yeah. You can you can mix it. Yeah. So I, I don't think he'll end up remembering about it on his own for the most part. I think he'll have to be reminded of it. But that's Joe. <laughs> he's doing I don't know, man. All that all that Baldur's Gate three he's been playing. Right. I, I think it's paying off. <laughs> yeah. Uh after that I think the last one we have is is our genus. And uh I have I have some things to say about the spells that he picked, or at least two of them. He he got some new spells, right? The first one I'll talk about is is one I very much enjoy using as a 
as a GM against my players because it forces them to kind of change tactics a little bit, which was hostile juxtaposition, which basically, you know, you, you target a character, you, they roll a will save, and if they fail, then at any point as a, you know, immediate action, the ba- basically the two characters swap. And, you know, what you would do with that would be like, if a spell's coming at you, you know, you immediately swap positions with, you know, whoever you targeted and they take that spell straight to the face. I, uh, I did this to my players where I would swap with one of the NPCs and then just start targeting that NPC and they would basically have to protect them from getting hit <laughs> because they knew the moment that they were about to get hit, they were really going to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> But it nice. also, you know, when they started targeting the but bad guy. Let me oh, let me ask sure. this. Let me let me interrupt you briefly, Toast, and ask this: What the way the spell works? Since you've used mm-hmm. it, you target the person with the spell ahead of time. Yes, correct? in combat. So, like you would, it's like a. So, like on round one, I go mumbly, 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 boom, and I I cast it on Utrid, mm-hmm. and now Utrid he has to roll it, a will whenever save. he fails his right. save. He fails his save. Let's assume that it works for the purpose of understanding yeah. you know, how this goes. Then someone starts targeting me with super bad stuff, and I go, aha, snap my fingers, and now Utrid has to take all that you know, cannon fire right to the face. Yes. Okay, but I, it, has to be, it, the, the, it has to be set up. I can't be getting shot at. Right, it has to be set up. In that round, and then instantly, boop, boop, switch. I have to plan ahead and target someone ahead of time, and then I can slam them with right so the way you would the way i would do it is like you know the opening round target someone and you know unless they identify the spell which they usually did anyway you'd be like okay you here's a will save and then you don't know if you failed or not it's like but they usually you know figured out what i was doing and so the next time they attacked you know the the boss or whoever was using it they knew that at any point i could just switch but it doesn't have a great range on it, which is, you know, one of the, the disadvantages. So, like, you kind of have to stay close because I think the range is, is close range. So it's like 25 feet plus 5 feet per two levels, I think. So it's it's not... If, you're, if they're targeting you with an AoE and the person you're going to be switching with is also going to get caught, there's no reason to switch, right? Right. Because, you know, if they're doing that, then the person that they're switching with is probably immune to whatever they're about to do. And it would be a waste of waste of the, the spell. But yeah, but there are there are conditions to it. Like you can't teleport them into a place like if you target like a large creature and you're a medium creature. If you're standing in a place that won't, you know, hold the large creature and you try to switch, the switching just fails and you've you know used it. If the person you're targeting is also either like unconscious or dies... The spell basically just ends because you can't switch places with a with a dead body. Okay. Yeah. There's a. But you could switch places with an unconscious body. No, unconscious or dead. Oh, yeah, okay. If they're not it clarifies. Yeah, it, it's got it. It clarifies that you know if they're unconscious or dead when you attempt to switch places, it fails. And okay, so it, it's it it's definitely something that's going to need some thinking to apply. But I mean, I can see lots of places where you could you know hurt the party by sending one of their key members right into the middle of a fireball exactly that they fired at you yep so it's you know and then now you're now you're positioned to blast the crap out of them yeah which it's one of those you know i used it because it, it kind of forced you know my players to be like i either have to to do smaller attacks so that if it does switch i'm not hurting my own person you know my own companion as much 
or you know i guess in some places i guess just go all out with things that they can't switch from or get that person away to where the the spell is no longer in range right so no i i see it applicable in a lot of ways especially if they fail to identify what this is yeah pardon me there's also the uh greater version of the spell but you can target one creature per every four caster levels so that you don't get one switch you get you know three or four depending on your level you have three or four op yeah you have oh you have you can do you can switch three or four times then because you can switch with person a yep one round and then next round with person b and the next round with c and and, okay cool you can switch places with each target only once but the spell doesn't end until either the duration ends which is you know rounds per level so you know usually the fight at that at that level you know you've probably got 13 14 rounds of it but Right. It only ends when either that expires or you've switched places with each person that was that failed once. So there's a there's even that on top of on top of this one, which I, I like this spell. It's it forces the players to kind of rethink their normal tactics. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I've never I've never I haven't seen it used from the player perspective where, you know, they could target one of the bad guys and because at that point they have to either target themselves or have their friends target them so that they can switch because if they're still shooting the bad guy they don't want to switch with themselves and get hit with you know their friends or their own their own spells so right it's right. still a little different um in that you know the way that will have to be targeted but it's still a really cool spell yeah i can see some usage for it like you know mm-hmm. casting it on your fighter and then making sure your fighter's fire resistant. And then, you know, you have the bad guy throwing fireballs at you. And it's like, oh, crap, I'm caught in the thing. I'm going to switch with the fighter. Boom. Right. Because the the spell, you, know, you can't use it as like a, a just a straight swap. It has to be an attack. It says when you're attacked or, you know, something would deal damage to you. So you can't just use right. it on, you know, the fighter and then have, you know, someone who's much, much faster run up to the boss and then switch because they're not attacking the fighter at that point. They're attacking you. So, right. But I mean, if, if you got an incoming fireball, right. you could switch with the rogue. Who's going to go, ah, no damage from that. I made my save. Right. Or whatever. Or, you know, like I said, switch to the fighter. Cause he can take the hit. And now I'm, you know, some other position. Right. You can, yeah, I could definitely see it being used more defensively at that that point, using it on other players so that someone else could take that kind of damage, which I think. I mean, you could still get away with that, what you were talking about, like the rogue could run up there and threaten him. And then he go, you know, but everybody's grouped somewhere else. So the bad guy goes, well, I'm going to hit, I'm going to use an AOE on those guys because this rogue's not really doing shit to me. Right. And then, you know, when they target that, you know, the rogue switches and now he's got a fighter in his face who can do stuff. Right. Or something. He's got whatever he's got in his face. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's ways to use it like that. Worse. I just, I think it's a little, I think it's a little trickier from the, from the player's part to, to make it work. I mean, it definitely can. We'll have to see how Tom pulls that off, what he does with it. The, the other spell he has is one that I have come to hate (laughs) because my player used it on my guys a lot and they had a, a, pretty high wills dc for their for their occultist so it was a good Uh-oh. it was yeah so i would i would almost always fail the first check right which is usually i think a lower check i'd have to check that let me let me look that up so so baleful polymorph is what we're talking about yes and you're failing the first check so you're getting turned into a rabbit or a rat or a 
something, a one-hit die creature. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting con- you're getting transformed into it, but then you're maybe making the second save, so you're not forgetting your uh, you know, a demon. Ah, okay, I see what it is. It's a it's a or a fortitude big bad or whatever. It's a fortitude and a will, right? So if if they did something to usually because he was an occultist and he had access to these these there was also like a witch in the party the witch would basically give that person misfortune to put them at a disadvantage for their next round right and then they would do baleful polymorph which means i had to cast to do a fortitude save at disadvantage and then a will save at disadvantage and more often than not i would fail almost always fail the fortitude save like i there now there are, when you're saying disadvantage <clears throat> Uh, I had to roll twice and take the lower. It's not. It's oh, not, okay. It's not so it was called it, disadvantage in in. Got it. Pathfinder. I think that's strictly a D and D thing, but it's the same mechanic. Okay. Okay. Understood. So I, that's what I I was I wanted to be sure that that's we. Yes. I wanted to be sure we had the mechanic part of it. Mechanically, because it's the I same know thing. disadvantage is not a Pathfinder it's not, term. Right. There's just uh, you you roll twice and take the lower. It's the same okay. concept, just different names. Right. Right. But like i would have enemies just not constantly but every so often he would just be like i'm gonna baleful polymorph you and now you're a chicken it's like right okay well i can't cast spells i can't use any of my weapons i can't use any of my abilities uh i i'm basically a chicken with class levels but like which is what but if you remember who you are at least you know if you remember who you are like if you if you fail the fortitude save but pass the will save you're basically a the exact same person, just a chicken or whatever, right. you know, animal they put you at. You can still use some, like, if you have class features other than spell casting, because, like, you don't get any of Right, that. if you have some spell-like abilities and stuff like that. You don't get those. Uh, or you can't keep them. It says, uh, it retains... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so it says, it retains any class features other than spell casting that aren't extraordinary, supernatural, or spell-like. So you can't do any kind of... Sp- spell casting and so no supernatural no extraordinary no spell like yep you basically you're just ouch yeah so like it really limits what most things can do so like you're in my case it was always a chicken because i guess they thought that was funny <laughs> it was funny well, it was, no doubt you it got was, upset the first time it was funny the and first so they, time right and and they like kept going back to it right and i got it got to the point where i was getting annoyed with it and they could tell and so they just kind of stopped doing it and they, they switched to other tactics because like they, they would do that just to my bosses. And I'm just like, I can't mechanically you, you win, right? You, you did that, but it's not fun at that point. Well, I don't know about that, it, but I can it, understand. It wasn't fun for me at that point, And I was getting annoyed. I, that I can understand. I can understand not wanting to have your, your game master pissed off at your ta- at what you're doing. Right. <laughs> You know, as a continuous thing, every time it's a big boss fight, looks like I've got a chicken incoming. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you get to that point, or you're you're as a game master, you just go, "That's it, I'm making him immune to this somehow." Let me go find <laughs> the thing that fixes it. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I, here we go. I did that. Boom. Done. Yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> Towards the end. So you know, and then everybody's got it, and they're like, "Well, why do they always have this?" It's like, well, because of that. But yeah, no. Yeah. So um, it, it just, from personal experience, I dislike the spell. I understand that it's a good spell and it, you know, if you get it to work, it's funny. It's great. But the the overuse of it, I think, annoys me. 
Yeah, no, I could, I could totally feel that. I will have to see how often Tom can get away with it. I, based on his disintegrate <laughs> and decapitation, I'm thinking we're in for a, quite a few misfires before it, it, you know, before it actually works. Yeah, before it actually works, and we go, oh hey, it finally worked. Yeah, so you know, it, it's, uh, it's like I said, I just have personal opinions on that, on especially on those specifically those two spells, like. Hostile Juxtaposition is great. Baleful Polymorph is also great, but in a use it too much and it becomes just the bane of my existence. <laughs> kind of way. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, at that point, if that's their one-shot tactic, then you, you know, I, I would think you, you begin to adapt around that I, tactic. And, and I think I did towards the, you know, towards the end of that campaign where things couldn't be affected by Polymorph spells. I would give them whatever monster feature that usually didn't come with that i would just no it has it (laughs) nice so did you got yeah i so i mean i think at that point it's a it's a deal i I don't know some of those are the the dcs on them are usually kind of low and even if you can give them a the disadvantage yeah like i said it didn't always work like they would you know cast it and i'd pass the fortitude save and that was that but it it it's just I got I got annoyed when I would put all this effort into redesigning a boss that I thought that they would have fun with, only to have it chickenified in round one and basically just negate the whole fight. Right. Because like right. they're not shape changers. They can't get themselves out of it. They're just a chicken at that point. <laughs> right. And, you know, I just it's fine. I just have opinions. No, I, I feel <laughs> I feel your pain. I had a, a very low level uh, boss fight in strange eons. And I was the, of course I'm the, I'm the PC and I had taken, or actually I was given a psychic in, in this particular case. I said, Hey, you know, you pick my class, pick these things for me because I'm supposed to wake up and not know who I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it was, you pick this stuff for me and I'll just play it. And so I ended up with a psychic and I took the will of the dead, uh, phrenic amplification. And so I color sprayed a I forget what kind of undead she was, but I color sprayed the the third, you know, the level three bad guy undead, which shouldn't have been affected, but I used Will of the Dead and bam, knocked her out, you know, just yeah. neutralized her right there with the color spray. <laughs> and, you know, this was she, I think she was a fighter. She so she had three fighter levels and she was, I mean, prepped to just cream us and be really tough, you know, and yeah. just shut it down and i was like oh yeah it's great and i remember my game master like god dang it i was and i was like <laughs> uh, you know it's it's like i said the first time i laughed i thought it was like oh my god you turned my guy into a chicken like that's hilarious the third time that they did it fine okay you chickened my guy <laughs> and after that i'm like i'm getting tired of having to roll for these chickens man <sighs> Well, okay, my thing was I wanted to make this a fun fight for my players, right? I'm not a very combat-oriented GM. I'm much better with roleplay. So I try my best to make things that I think they'll like to fight. But when I put all that effort into it and they just turn it into a chicken and the fight's over in one round, I I kind of lose my, I don't know what to call it, uh, not will, but like... No, it hurts. It hurts your morale. Yeah, it, right. your enthusiasm goes yeah, down. I mean, your excitement it, goes down because you're wanting to. I'm wanting you to know. give my all, all of the players this really big, cool fight that you yep, know yep. they'd have to dodge spells or you know other little tactics. But like, it's just it's one and done. And I'm like, that's 
fine if that's how they want to play it. But if that's how they're going to play it, I'm not going to put the as much effort into some of the bosses. No, right. Understood. So, I mean, you you know, that's what you're you're looking for that. You know, it, it's a cooperative game. Yes. Right. So we got to have the give and the take. So the game master has to have fun. The players have to have fun. Everybody's got to have fun. It doesn't have to be every session that you're having the extreme fun, but you know, it's got to be permeating through the whole process, right? Right. So I guess my thing is I'm, I'm hoping Alex doesn't get as annoyed with it if Tom chooses to use it a lot. I, I suspect Alex will come up with a trick or two that will uh, neutralize, <laughs> you know, yeah. Insta chicken. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I think that's most of the level ups. So, Finally, we, the episode gets through all the level ups. We've talked at length about our favorites. Mm-hmm. It's time to open that damn door. <laughs> the cliffhanger door. And we're halfway into the episode. And we still haven't opened the cliffhanger door. And finally, we open the door. Closet. And it's a closet. <laughs> yep. You know, nine out of ten, it's a closet. <laughs> still good, though. The guys didn't take it too gracefully. They checked that closet thoroughly. Right. Like, but it was a closet. Yep. So they they kind of guess I guess move back into that uh, mainframe room, and you know they finally take the hour to learn the system, which I guess is a little too late because I think it really the only thing they could do at that point is like unlock and lock doors and turn the lights off. And yeah, and there were a couple doors that just weren't affected by the unlocking because they needed a different mechanism. Right. And so it's like, well, that we're right. We took the the hour, and you know maybe this would have helped us if we could have turned the lights off downstairs and had like an advantage in the dark or something, or maybe we'd, you know, hurt ourselves in our, in the darkness or whatever. It is, it, it felt less important than I thought it was made out to be. Well, I, it timing sometimes yeah. on that, you know, they'd already handled everything. Whereas the other way, if they'd hacked it first and Tom hadn't gone exploring down the hole, right. Or our genus hadn't gone exploring down the hole. Uh, you know, it, it might have made a difference in how it things shook out. Right. But so they, they do that and then they kind of go searching all the places they now have access to. And I think they yep, go yep. through a, a couple offices and then they end up in what turns out to be Marina's old office. And suddenly Alex has to, you know, retcon. Oh, by the way, she gave you a key because <laughs> they find a safe. And they're like, well, it's going to be a while to get this open because our, you know, item, you know, device opener teoblith <laughs> he died because our can opener yeah is dead and he's and now he's like oh yeah no she would have given you a key for this absolutely <laughs> uh you know it's a small it, small detail it's okay it's fine i just i i just thought it was funny <laughs> it's, it is a little comical i honestly i felt like this part of it and i i totally don't mind you know take the time ex- explore the space and and do that but i felt like it was the we've Wiped out everything we need to worry about. And this is just the cleanup where we, you know, right. loot the bodies and search the rooms kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And we're just, we're just gathering up the stuff, which was, I, if you know, a lot of times that gets the hand wave, you know, here's the rest of the map and you do this because there's nothing else in there. That's, that's fair. And uh, I, but I'm totally okay with continuing the exploration, finishing it out. It just, yeah. you know, a lot, it, it felt like we were in that space. Yeah, so which is basically exactly what they do. They find the library with the research notes, and as much as Uhtred, I think, wants to sit there and read everything, they just yes. don't really have time to do that. So they grab the notes and basically teleport right back to Mariina's kitchen. <laughs> 
Yeah, right into the kitchen. Not yeah. not the front door, not the living room, but into the kitchen. Yep. Which uh, and Alex did tell us, you know, something that would probably have been saved for the retrospective normally. He did tell us where that teleport trap would have put them, which was in the uh, greenhouse with the moss golem. He did. So that he was did, that was he fun. did throw it there. I guess they which were able to now turn... makes yeah. It now makes perfect sense for that uh, weirwood that teleported, knowing he was going to get trapped because he knew where he was going and he knew it was safe. Yep. For him. Yes. So that was that was a fun, just a little, you know, side knowledge. But then we get to like the big, I hesitate to call it the twist of the episode. It's more like the twist of the AP, right? Where oh, yeah, Mary and F, she finally has her goggles, she has her research, and she basically just puts one of them on the table. I forget who exactly. Um, yeah, I don't remember who, but I do remember at least at this point something that I had been noticing in the prior checkouts when they're checking them out. They were always fatigued, right, for the whole day. Yeah, that didn't now happen. all of a sudden the fatigue's gone. Yep, because she has uh, her goggles let her basically be more precise and mm-hmm, rooting mm-hmm. around in their chests, which <laughs> is an yep, odd thing yep. to say. But she ends up informing them that this sliver, these ovals, are it's basically a, a a small piece of a divine spark, right? That Aridin put into the Kumaru tree in order to, I guess, basically use it and manipulate it. Cause he, he then fashioned his shield out of it, which, you know, became the what? shattered shield. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's much of a limb, but a little bit of a limb. I think he was using, he had, he put his spark in the tree so he could tap the tree. Right. Yeah. So he could up his power level. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'd agree with that. I, I think that based on what we've gotten so far from being in Yola's band, but also remembering our Erasne flashback before Renchurch, where she's got the roots coming into her and then she's pulling, you know, the root goes into the ley line and stuff like that. It's right. very like what the Kumar the Kumaru tree has going on, mm-hmm. other than its roots are kind of like ley lines. Well, they are ley lines, so. they're just physical beat physical object uh yes they well they function like ley lines right yes yeah they're not actual ley lines they function function i think is the yeah so it's it based on all that i think that's what eridan was doing Mm -hmm. and uh we find out this leads us to two important discoveries one she thinks she can do something with the oballs to reignite uh the kamaru tree or to to purge out bring it back piece of eridan and thus it can recover and come back great Yes, good. They can and have. And then their... the second piece. Yeah, this is the part where I'm just like, this is this is like the hinge point of the of the AP, right? Because she basically tells the PCs that right now their oballs are warding them against negative energy, but it's possible that she could flip that and have it work on positive energy. And if they happen to be caught up in the radiant fire after that switch, it could essentially destroy Tarbethon, right? His his radiant fire would basically backfire on him. The caveat or the the you know the, the backlash would also essentially rip their souls into shreds. Whoever was caught in the blast, and yeah, there's only, no resurrection. There's there's, there's, there's literally no, no way they could come afterlife. back ever. Yep. Yeah. Plus, if she does that, right now they're resistant to negative energy. If she flips that, are they going to be resistant to positive energy? Are they going to be able to heal themselves? Oof. <laughs> are they going to have to roll will saves to every time they heal? Actually, I don't think that'd be unforgivable. I think that would be on par 
especially or after GM Dallas Alex. Fire. It's like, hey, to deliver the guess what, guys? Now you have to finish this book and the next and book. the next book all under half healing, like you were in Gallowspire. <laughs> they would they would riot. Only only natural healing. Oh my goodness! Wait, I thought this was a horror campaign. <laughs> it's a survival. This horror. would be the ultimate way to hit it is we're finally out of that oppressive thing but no we have to turn ourselves into the oppressive thing in order to end the oppressive thing i mean this is <laughs> matt and and joe and utrid not utrid shit what's his name nick <laughs> uh they, they they would all riot or, or or at least at least matt and nick would riot joe and tom would be like that sucks okay <laughs> or i have an or you flip the switch. They now are positive, right? Uh-huh. But since Joe is already part, you know, his his thing, his life force, whatever, is now at the same frequency as theirs, he can heal everybody normally, but nobody else can heal them normally, and they can't heal other people normally. <laughs> I'm not trying to make it harder. I'm just saying this there, is, as I explore this and as you flip the switch, you're... You're now suffering under that choice. That's all. So it's interesting because to me, this is uh, we hit the point. Yeah, this is this is the it is still a choice, right? They don't have to do it. Right, right. They're not compelled. They're not compelled. But this is the moment. This is the moment of horror. I change the charge, if you will, or polarity or whatever of my obol. Right. Which, you know, Mariana can do with her goggles. Right. I go from what I'm we're going to call positive now to negative, and now I am an instrument of Tarbafon's destruction. Right. And he and wouldn't that, even know. He would he have wouldn't no idea. even know. And this would absolutely 100% remove the chunk of Kumaru tree, which was from the shattered shield of Arneson, which was Aridin's shield. Right. It would remove that piece from Tarbafon. Yep. It would I mean And by removing that piece that seems to indicate, although I don't think Mariana says so specifically, but it seems to indicate that he would then no longer have any ability to control radiant fire at all. Right. He would just be the shard. The remaining shards of the shattered shield would be useless to him as the weapons he's been using them as. Right. The <laughs> and boom, the PC has to eradicate themselves from existence. Not not just die. Right. That's the the part that gets made here. It's not just death. Yeah. You get eradicated from existence in a way that not magic even, cannot find you. Not even the gods magic could bring you back. Right. Yeah, you're gone, which means no one can go back, you know, unless some I guess unless they could go back in time and talk to you before you commit this act. Yep. Of, you know, sacrificing yourself to to plaster Tarbaf on. You know, that's the only way somebody can find you to talk to you. Yeah. So I mean, there's no raise dead, no speak with dead, no resurrection, no, I mean, and no afterlife. There's no, well, let's just go to the seven heavens or let's go to Valhalla or let's do this and we can ask him some questions. No, that those options are all off the table. Yeah. The the other kind of interesting bit that was kind of mentioned is even if one of them chooses to do this, right? If if only, let's say, I think Uhtred might be the one that would actually be willing to do that, right? He seems kind of in that mindset, I think. Uh, I think you've mentioned, you know, kind of that self-sacrifice before. Uhtred's going to do it. He's been he's been building to this yeah. insanity 
that he, you know, mentally he's going the full distance. He's taking out Tarbafon, and somebody's just said, "Yeah, you're the nuke that blows up Tarbafon." There's no way Uhtred's turning away from he's that. He's not the nuke. He's he's the poison pill, right? Because he has to get Tarbafon to nuke him. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. So, that so he, that to me is a yeah a trivial act. Uhtred is going to do it. Tarbafon doesn't yet know, right? At least what I'm gathering from the flashbacks. And uh, specifically, I should tell the master about you, uh, but I'll tell him later. Right. The most recent one we had, the Tiablith one, he doesn't know. And he's not even going to know when the, the frequency flips. Right. Because unless they're, unless someone that's been in a previous explosion is in that explosion, it acts, yeah, I assume it would just act like a normal radiant fire. So. Yeah, that would be my take on it. Yeah. So. But see, this to me is something I've been I've been wondering about and and you know thinking as a possibility and and talking with Nick and sharing. I haven't shared it in a while, but that Utrid is going to become the horror at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, and this falls into it because now he's the you know because he's so far gone. You know he's been showing he's losing his humanity. He's just focused on his mission. That's becoming the most important thing. And this I, I wasn't able to predict this. Mm-mm. But this is definitely, it is more important to be, you know, doing what you're doing to destroy Tarbafon than anybody else's lives right. that matter in the thing. I mean, it's yeah. uh, this is the completion of Uhtred's mission. What has Nick has RP'd him to be his sole purpose in existing because everything else is gone. If he chooses to do that and the others don't, there's still a possibility that they die anyway in the same. Well, it's. The switching that one O-ball, it turns out, is not just switching that one O-ball. It it's, switches every O-ball. It's, yeah, it flips the whole network. Because they're, they're all, all the O-balls are connected. Yeah. And you flip it, flip that switch. And, you know, I, you know, Uhtred goes from positive to negative. Everyone goes from positive to negative. Yeah. So. And now, it, it, yeah, there's that, there's that risk. You know, you're not even on that side of the world where Tarbafon is. And suddenly you just But you've got an O-ball. Drop dead. And. <laughs> You know, maybe dead. Yeah. Maybe not. Don't know. It could just, you know, remove the O-ball from them and, you know, I think they said dull it or make it inert, which would be uh, yeah, the better I, option. I, but there is yeah, a possibility think, that, you know, however many people that have survived these explosions could just drop dead. <laughs> yeah. So not only I mean, does I, not only do the PCs have to be willing to sacrifice themselves they have to be willing to sacrifice an unknown number of others. Yeah. And it's a potential. So it's worse. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just, Hey, a hundred people are going down. Yeah. Guaranteed. It's, you know, so I can wrap my head around it. It's, I don't know how many people have these, you know, O balls in them. Yeah. We don't know. And we don't even know, you know, and it, and it may not work. It may not do that. They may be just fine, but they have to right, be willing right. to sacrifice an unknown number of people for the safety of the rest. Right. And, and at least one of those people sacrificed is someone that the PCs know, or at least Uhtred knows and loves. Yep, because Rogar would absolutely be a, could be affected by that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, it is a it it, it, it a, makes up for there not being any other horror in this book so far. Yeah, I I'll be honest. Thinking about it, I really like this as a mechanic kind of thing. Where most of the time, I think when you play these games, you kind of expect. Uh, if my player dies, it's fine, but I don't, they don't always have to die. In this case, it's like to, you know, if we choose to take this path, you know, one or more of our characters are going to be completely 
obliterated and it, it just it gives the game a different feel i think and I, i'm pretty sure they'll talk about it in you know the upcoming episode next week and probably for a while i would imagine because it's a very different i don't want to call it a mechanic again like it's a very different obstacle that i don't think any other ap is kind of put in front of players now i can't think of any uh off the top of my head obviously Listeners, if if you've got one that's similar, yeah. uh, share it with us in the Discord, and we'll be sure to mention it and uh, and look at it. But yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, you know, the heroic sacrifice is always, you know, that's, that's been around for as long as people have been telling stories and stuff. But like, I think people would, you know, who are playing Pathfinder treat it more as a game and something that they could win. Um, and I think a lot of players take a lot of pride in outsmarting, you know, either the writers or the GM. And well, definitely. And let's, let's brace ourselves for a second here. You know, this is Sparta. Remember the Alamo. I mean, pick your tragic. Everybody had to die to hold the enemy in place so that, you know, everyone else could rally and defeat, you know, the enemy. Yeah. This, this is, is history. Human Human culture has this story that you have to make the ultimate sacrifice sometimes for the greater good. So, but what the hell? They don't want to do that. This isn't, they're not winning. Well, if they're, I, I disagree. They can choose not to do it. They can choose whatever the thing is. They're just given a condition first off. Second off. And they don't even have to do it. They don't have to do it. Second off, this is a game that is supposed to be simulating real life. Sometimes in real life, you have shit decisions that no way you look, every way you look at it, it's a shit sandwich. Yep. And to play a game that's supposed to simulate that and then to deliberately ignore some aspect of life, you know, the hard decisions, the tough decisions, whatever. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to play them all the time, but having them occasionally is good and kind of reminds you in my mind, what you're what you're playing about and that, you know, there are some emotional stakes to this. Otherwise, you know, you're just playing happy fun time and, you know, throwing dice around at your friends and that's cool, but that's not really, in my opinion, you know, like embracing the storytelling aspect and trying to cover all of the possible experiences that you could have. Again, in the course of your role playing, you don't have to go through every possible scenario. Right. But the fact that it's out there and available is something you could experience is part of t what enriches the whole thing in my mind. I would I would agree with that. And uh, you know, speaking of stakes, I I think Alex has done a really good job of you know throughout each of the books, kind of you know raising them. You know, each each time, you know, it's just it seems like it's something really difficult to do. And I know the books do it, but still you know that's that's super tough I, and i think uh, it's been a yeah a master class in in keeping in in oh it's yeah it's it, it's everything i've ever said good about alex uh <laughs> you know in in one single moment of you know brilliance yeah i i think that the thing here would be like from from book one it's like okay what happened oh god our whole town and then you get to either like okay we're in the boneyard let's get back that's pretty big stakes right because clearly most people don't end up here but still alive so something bad happened so let's get back and then it's like okay our whole town was blown up we need to you know we need to go tell people so you know they book two is 
Roslar's coffer, and then you 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 increase the stakes to a a a, a more broad world. Like this could happen anywhere, kind of thing. And so, and then it happens again in Vigil, which is like insane. And then it's like, okay, we have to go fix this. We have to solve this problem, and we are the people best equipped to do it. And then it's like at that point, I was I was maybe not consciously, but like I'm wondering, how do you raise the stakes for the PCs at this point? He's already blowing up cities, right? He's he's made this so impersonal to everyone else, right? How do you raise the stakes here? And this is this is that this works uh, it works extremely well for that like you've made this you know the ultimate sacrifice essentially it's like it's us or everyone dies and when we do this or if i do this or you know whatever combination of people it is we will never come back from it we will never see we will never know if we were successful we just have to have hope and i think it's brilliant and you know the it doesn't. You know, I mean, obviously, if it's if it, it's a choice, so they don't have to do that. But if they do choose to do that, there's no going back. No. So no, there's no going back at all. I mean, this is a this is a big one. Yeah, I, I really like it. I'm really curious to see how the the players take it. And we we end the episode on that on that note. Yeah. You know, getting the explanation from Mariana and all that, and then we end the episode. So. I'm looking forward to next episode because I'm sure they're going to talk about it. I mean, how can they not? Exactly. And I want to hear what people think. Because like me personally, I think Uhtred's going to do it. Yep. Uhtred's, I got to take out Tarbafon. It's got to happen. He's already lost a bunch of people he's cared about along the way. Another sacrifice, in my opinion, and how I understand Uhtred, it's just something that's going to have to be made. And especially after, you know, the Blue Gardens, right? Where Mariana says, oh, is anyone left alive? None that stood against us. Yeah. I, you know, and, and well, wait a second, dude, you, you know, you didn't even try non-lethal here, you know? Yeah. I, so I, I really I think, think they need a, a talk about the alignments. Already. Yeah. They really, I think oh, they yeah, need yeah, to yeah. have another talk about what their actual alignments are at this point. Cause at, at neutral, I think at best for most of them, I don't think any of them could really be considered good anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'd at have Valbar to, uh, being the exception. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what he is. About I, I don't know. It would be tough to remain good. I would think that you'd be struggling with stuff at good. You might still say, hey, I've got a a sacrifice that may have to be made, and that's okay. And I think still be good. But uh, the the way at which they tackled the Blue Gardens. It really really calls into question some of their alignments, I think. Yes, totally. Totally, 100%. 100%. I just want to make clear, I don't think that they can't be good. Right. I don't think they've made the choices that they are still good. But, you know, I, I think there's a path through this, even if they accept taking out Tarbafon, where a good aligned character could go through this without, you know, losing the good part. I think it looks different, but that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah. Well, um, do you want to hit the outro? And then I think that'll do us. And that does it for us this week. You can find us and the players on the Inspired Incompetence Discord. Link can be found at inspiredincompetence.com. I'm Lord Richter. And I'm Lady Toast. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah, salsa for eye sockets, bitch. And I like it spicy. I hope it burns. <laughs>